Hey, this is Tyler Johnson, pastor of Mission Church located in Walnut Creek, California. I want to say thank you for tuning in. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you live the life God called you to live. Enjoy. If you are brand new, we're in a series uh, titled God's Not Done. Everybody say God's Not Done. Man, I just, I love the word of God. I love it. Uh, mandates will come and go. Amen. Laws are going to come and go. Amen. You know, there's a law in Oregon right now that you can have heroin and not even get arrested anymore. Don't move to Oregon for that. You're like, oh, really? Interesting. I'm intrigued. Uh, the law in New York right now, you can shoplift and not get prosecuted. So the CVS shelves are empty. So ideas are going to come and go. And again, the reason why these laws are even passed, I get it. If you don't know Jesus, you want to have mercy on people. You want to help people. And so the world's going to process a worldly way to try to figure out how to help. But the reason why I love the word is mandates come and go, laws come and go, but the word of the Lord, it stays the same. The Bible says that the flowers fade and the grass withers, Boo, but the word of God, man, it does not return void. The reason why I say this, because I got a lot of scripture today. I'm going to read a lot of the Bible, okay? Uh, and I hope that's okay with you. Uh, if you are brand new, I want to kind of give you a little heads up. We are in the book of Daniel. I'm going to give you just a small little um, review today. Uh, so the book of Daniel uh, is uh, an exilic literature. I always like to tell this because you got to understand where, what's happening is God's people are now uh, uh, taken out of their homeland and they are exiles. They are the minorities in a land, the way they think, the way they dream, the way they pray. Not everybody else is like them. And because of that, they are not celebrated. They are actually persecuted. So, so that's what it's an exile book. So, um, and then in first Peter, it tells us that the people of God in Rome were exiles and to submit to you, we are exiles now in California. It's the reality. We, people don't think like Christians, pray like Christians, dream like Christians, love like Christians, serve like Christians. It is the minority. We are the least church region in all of the U S can I get an amen for that? You feeling good? You feeling encouraged? Let's keep going. Okay. Um, Babylon in the Old Testament was a city. In the New Testament, it is a spirit. Uh, another way to say it, it was a locality, but now it's a mentality. You see throughout scripture. Now we're going to pick up in, uh, in Daniel 6 today. And just to give you a heads up, about five weeks ago, we started the book of Daniel. Daniel was 17 years old and changing the world. 17-year-old, changing the world. Fast forward six chapters, Daniel's in his 80s now, still changing the world. Can I tell you something? Age is nothing but a number. If you are a young person in the house, you're a young person watching, you're like, I know I'm 17, I'll, I'll, I'll wait till my name gets called. Your name has been called if you said yes to Jesus. Okay, you are in the game, you are a world changer. If you are somebody who you think, oh, I'm older now. And it's so funny, everybody I've talked to, if you're older than 30, you think you're older now. And I'm like, I'm 35, I'm getting old. And you know, somebody's like, you're a young kid, you know. Whatever age you think, you're like, well, I'm older now, I'm gonna pass it off to the next generation. No, 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 you are still a world changer. Do not let age define your impact for the kingdom. So Do not let a season say, well, now I know I was, that, was a, that was a different season. No, no, no. If there is breath in your lungs, you can still say to the lions, you ain't touching me today. Daniel changes the world in his 80s. Yeah. I love our church. I feel like we got everything. Young, old, funny, not funny, mean, kind. We got it all. <laughs> Am I allowed to say that? I don't know. I did it. Yeah. We got Lakers sweatshirts being worn in announcements. I got to... This house has standards and the right spirit. That was not our standard, nor our spirit. Go Dubs. Uh, you got one of our main uh, core people in the world just rocking that Dodger gear, telling me that angels' colors are blue. You, you know who you are, Mitch Pitchrock. Um, that's my softball coach. Um, I'm batting last now, and I'm playing uh, on the sidelines. Okay, here we go. Um, so Daniel is this... 
80-year-old man now, and he has risen to the top. I'm going to read the very end of this to you, actually, because I, I want to kind of set the context. I want to, like almost, if I could put it this way, uh, bear with me as I tell this story, and it's uh, a story that is alive and well. The Bible is alive and well today. I want to start at the end so you can understand how he got there. Uh, and, and I want to show you the finish line, because a lot of us right now, don't you wish we were at the finish line of the pandemic? Don't you worry at the finish line of your just, just struggle, whatever you're at? All of us wish we were at the finish line. So I want to read the finish line just to bring a little bit of encouragement. Because a lot of us right now, we're in the middle of it, but there is a finish line. There are ends to valleys. There are ends to struggles. There, are, there is an end to it. And I want to read it to you. I want to encourage you. Very early the next morning, the king got up. This is when Daniel has been thrown in the lion's den and hurried out to the lion's den. When he got there, he called out in anguish, Daniel, servant of the living God, was your God whom you served so faithfully able to rescue from the lions? Was your God able to rescue from the mass mandates, Mission Church? Some of you like it or, or save you with them. I don't care. Um, but God has been faithful in this season. He has been faithful. Daniel answered, long live the king. My God sent his angel to shut the lion's mouth so they would not hurt me, for I've been found innocent in his sight and I've not wronged you, your majesty. Can I give you a little pearl quick? Do what is right and trust God with the results. Love well, serve well, give well, respond well. Just keep living well and then just trust God with the results, okay? Daniel just trusted God. God, I'm gonna live the way I'm supposed to. I'm gonna keep praying. He gets thrown in the lion's den. He trusts God with results. That's a big promise right there. Come on. The king was overjoyed and ordered that Daniel be lifted from the den. Not a scratch was found on him for he had trusted in his God. I wanna go to the last verse. So Daniel prospered. Everybody say prospered. prospered. During the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. Can I read that, make it a little more personal? So Tyler prospered under Newsom. Tyler prospered under Trump. So Tyler prospered under Biden. So Tyler prospered under Obama. Come on, put your name in there. So you prospered. Your political leader is not gonna be connected to your prosperity. Your political king, whoever's over you, is not connected to your personal prosperity of how you're gonna flourish in life. Stop giving them so much credit. We're making, we're making our political leaders, we're making our oversights the most powerful things. And the Bible shows us right there. Hey, in the midst of the most powerful rulers in all the world that you, they've ever seen, Daniel so prospered under him. So the title of my message is How to Prosper in the Lion's Den. Now you're saying, I've never been thrown in the lion's den. Let me read you some uh, verses real quick. Uh, Psalm 7. Uh, I come to you for protection, O Lord my God. Save me from my persecutors. Rescue me. If you don't, they will maul me like a lion. Tear me to pieces with no one to rescue me. Let me read you Psalm 10. You'll see throughout scripture and over and over again, I'm just gonna read a handful, that lions represent disorder. Lions represent the mark of what happens to sin, that we become animals to each other instead of loving godly humans. Okay, Psalm 10 says this, the wicked are too proud to seek God. They seem to think that God is dead. Nope, God's not done. Welcome to the sermon series. Here we go. Uh, they lurk in ambush in villages, waiting to murder innocent people. They are always searching for helpless victims. Like lions crouched in hiding, they wait to pounce on the helpless. Like hunters, they capture the helpless and drag them away in nets. Man, a lot, lions are alive and well in the Bay Area today. You, you a parent of a kid right now, send him to school? Like God, protect them from the lions, protect them from the wolves. Man, kids are, can, can we say kids are mean? Yes. Well, adults are mean too. Yes. I'm a pastor, I've seen it, okay? Let me keep going. Psalm 57, have mercy on me, God. Oh, have mercy. I look to you for protection. Where are you looking for protection right now? Just, just catch that pro real quick. I will hide beneath the shadow of your wings until the danger passes by. I'm surrounded by fierce lions. Is this Daniel? No, this is David. Put your name there. 
If you live in the world today, there are lions everywhere. I'm surrounded by fierce lions who greedily devour human prey, whose teeth pierce like spears and arrows and whose tongues cut like swords. Be exalted, O God, above the highest heavens. May your glory shine over all the earth. I don't know about you, but I find myself trying to pray myself out of these situations. Can anybody say that? We try to get out of these situations, but God's trying to get into your situation. We're saying, God, get me out of Babylon, but God's saying, I'm trying to get in Babylon and I'm gonna use you to get into it. So many of us wanna get out of this stuff, but God's actually using this stuff to get into the parts of your heart that you never want him to touch. So I don't want you to get out of the lion's den. I want you to prosper in the lion's den. God wants to get in the lion's den with you. The Christianity is the greatest stories aren't told. Hey, did you ever hear about the story where Daniel just sat on the sidelines the whole time and did nothing? It's a great book. No, the, the stories of Christians who change the world are the ones who say, whoa, I'm in the lion's den. But in the midst of the lion's den, I still prosper. In the midst of the Bay Area, I still love. In the midst of the Bay Area, I'm still doing something for God. I feel like today's gonna be a good message. I just, I just got one of them feelings, you know what I'm saying? Holy Spirit kind of feelings. Bow your heads, I'm gonna pray. God, I thank you. I thank you for what you're doing at Mission Church. Uh, Lord, in this house, Lord, I really believe that God, you sent us and scattered us through this region, not to just survive the pandemic, not to survive this season, but to prosper. Lord, I pray right now that that would become true even today, Lord. I pray that marriages would start to prosper right now in the name of Jesus. I pray families would start to prosper right now in the name of Jesus. God, I pray right now that minds would start to prosper in the name of Jesus, that hearts would start being healed, that lives would start being restored. Lord, I pray that prosperity would hit Mission Church. This ain't a prosperity gospel thing. This is a good news gospel. And you said you came to give us life and life abundantly. Oh, we're not on scarcity watch. We're on what you got next watch, God. Lord, we love you. May my words fall to the floor and may your words soar. And everybody said? Amen. So here's what's going to happen. We're going to look at just Daniel 6 and I'm going to read through Daniel 6 and we're going to see what I would say, truths that will help you prosper in the midst of the lion's den. There are some truths, if you have them, some handles, if you actually start to put them into practice, you start to live them out, I believe that you'll prosper in this season and not worry that you'll actually taste victory. Does that sound good? Yeah. Daniel 6, 1, let's go there. We're going to go New King, New King James Version the anointed version. Okay, here we go. Uh, it, is, it pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be over the whole kingdom and over these three governors of whom Daniel was one that the satraps might give account to them so that the king and satraps, so stop. I mean, just, what are satraps? What's happening? Uh, the king needs someone to balance the budget. We need to bring these people in right now. Can we get an amen? America needs some satraps. They need a Daniel, okay? So the budget needs to be balanced. The king's being robbed. It's the most uh, fruitful kingdom. And there are people who are corrupt in the midst of it. So he's trying to get the most integrous, most skillful people at the top to do the checks and balances of what is going in and what is coming out. And the best one of all of them is a man named Daniel. In exile, not even a Babylonian, not even a Persian, but an exile is the best of the best and is gonna be put in number two in charge because he has an excellent spirit. Let's see what happens here. Then this Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and the satraps. Man, the pandemic is a great opportunity for us to distinguish ourselves. Oh, it's a great opportunity not to be like the world. To distinguish ourselves as people who respond well and love well, Oh, distinguish ourselves as we just operate differently in the midst of chaos and storms. Man, may we not look like the world right now. May we just be, look a little different. Here we go. Okay, here we go. Uh, distinguish yourself above the governor's satraps because an excellent spirit was in him and the king gave him thought to set him over the whole realm. 
So the governor and satraps sought to find some charges against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find no charge or fault because he was faithful, nor was there any error or fault found in him. Then there, uh, these men said, uh, we shall not find any charges against this Daniel unless we find it against him concerning the law of his God. First truth that you need to understand if you want to prosper in the lion's den is this. You prosper when you care about what God thinks more than what people think. Yeah. Let me double down on this with a quote. When God is raising you up, there will always be people trying to tear you down. Yeah. So God is bringing prosperity and provision. A promotion does not come from the east or the west. Promotion does not come from man. It comes from God. So Daniel gets promoted, and so when God is raising you up, guess what? There's always going to be people that want to tear you down. Let me, let me say it another way. Uh, Daniel's name meant uh, God is my judge. Can I say it a different way? Daniel means I don't care what you think. I care what God thinks. That's what Daniel does. Daniel said, I'm going to live the way God called me to live. I don't care if it offends you. I don't care if it hurts your feelings. I know it's going to bless you, but you may think it's going to hurt you, but it's going to bless you. So, so, so Daniel lives a certain way. Can I, can I tell you another way? My pastor used to say, this, uh, say to me this way. When you worry about what others think about you, you tend to forget about what God says about you. I mean, can I read some more verse? Okay, the Bible's powerful. I told you, you, buckle up. Here we go. Proverbs 29, 25. It is, a dangerous, it is dangerous to be concerned with what others think of you, but if you trust the Lord, you are safe. Let me say it another way. Fearing people is a dangerous trap. But trust in the Lord means safety. So you start studying your message. And so then I love going to, so, I love sociology. I love studies. I love uh, statistics. So I study how many people in a room hate you. There's studies on this. They call it the 30-30-30 rule, okay? Some say 20%, say, some say 25%. But basically when you walk in a room, 30% of people just hate you. They don't like you. They just, the way you look, talk, I don't know, just, they just don't like you. 30% of people are neutral towards you. They're just neutral. Like, man, whatever. You know, there's a guy with weird pants that don't go down in his shoes. Whatever, what's going on? You know, I'm trying to be relevant, okay? This is, this is, this is somebody going into as far as like, I told Paige, I was like, Paige, I want to be relevant. What I need to do is you got to get joggers that, have, that are shorter pants. And so I did it, okay? I'll be honest, though. I feel like I, I could play hoops in these, though, too. So it's, it's, it's a win-win. Anyways, so 30% of people are going to be neutral. And then 30% are going to love you. No, some other stats say 20%, you know, 25%, but it's, it's around there. So just let me give you, so let me help you people pleasers out real quick. You ready for this? That means about 1.7 to 2 billion people hate you right now. <laughs> they don't like you. You could buy them a house. They'd be like, oh, what's the strength attached I'm getting? Oh, you, 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 I bet you want to control me. That's why you bought it. You could do anything and everything. They're just not going to like you. The reality is, is that if you try to please the world, you will run this never-ending, exhausting story. It will be a trap, and it will be dangerous. You ever heard about the crabs in a bucket uh, illustration? If you put a crab in a bucket by itself, it gets out of the bucket. But you put a crab in a bucket with other crabs, and they never get out of the bucket because all the crabs just pull each other down. So, real, real talk. Google it. I love, I love when I preach and be like, for real? Can we Google that real quick, Pastor? 60 second praise break. Google it. I'm just kidding. Um, so you put up a crab by itself, gets on out. You put it in the buck with a bunch of crabs. You start crawling out. The crab's like, nah, get back here. They just keep fighting and not one gets out. Can I tell you something real quick? That's what it looks like when you live for people. You get in the, you get in the bucket with all the people and everybody's trying to figure life out and you're trying to actually become everything God calls you to be. But when people you're trying to please, you're going to stay in that bucket forever. But if you actually remove yourself from the world because you are in the world, but you are not of the world, you're not supposed to live that way. You're supposed to get out of bucket seasons. You're supposed to graduate to new seasons. You're supposed to enter glory to glory. 
But one of the reasons why Daniel went from glory to glory, from he had four kings over him and he always had favor, is because he was never trying to please people. He was always trying to please God. You, you, wanna, you wanna prosper this next season? Don't care what people think. Can, can, can I double down on this? I'm gonna double down on it. Um, you know, I'm gonna double down on the next point because the next point I'm gonna talk about salt because, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna touch on it right and then I'll, and I'll read. Uh, yep, I'm gonna do it. Okay, so um, a lot of people don't love you, love God because of you, but not a lot of people hate God because of you either. Daniel was a man who people loved God because of him or they hated God because of him. And that's where you have to live. And because Daniel was like, I'm going to be what God called me to be. And like the king loved him, but the satraps hated him. I, this guy's always doing right. He's always serving people well. And because of that, the king loved him. But his competitors, the people who were wicked, did not like him. Can I tell you, when you live for God, some people are going to love you because of it. And some people aren't going to like you because of it. That's okay. The, the, the culture we live in right now is everybody has to be okay with me. It's impossible. It is an impossible. It is, it is a trap from the enemy right now, what we're living in. And now because of social media, it's a lot easier to be caught up in it. You know, if people are going to unfollow you or not like or like, man, just know that one person's like is the most important on your picture and his name is Jesus. That's so cheesy. Let's keep going. That wasn't in my message and I'm not using 11 a.m. That was terrible. Okay. You the pilot season. Okay. You the pilot episode. Okay. If this is first episode. All right. Part two. Let's go. Let's keep reading the scripture. So they went straight to the king and reminded him about his law. Did you not sign a law for the next 30 days? Any person who prays. So I, I, I'm, I'm skipping down. I got to get some context. Forgive me. Cause I want to teach on prayer at the very end, because if you want to prosper, you need prayer. That's a big one. I, I really want to camp there for a second. So they go and they say, uh, we're not gonna be able to get him in trouble with uh, anything he does. Cause he lives in Tegra. So we got to actually make it illegal to be a Christian. Basically we got to come against his prayer. So a mandate comes out. Can I just tell you real quick? Mandates are not new to the Bay Area. They were even in the time of Babylon back then. Now, I, wanna, I wanna stop for a second. I, I, uh, I'm hopping around a little bit today. I hope that's okay. I, I feel like, you know, sometimes I, I write it down and I'm like, Lord, take wherever you wanna take it. I always I wanna follow the oil, if I can put it that way. Um, if you are a parent in this season, I have so much empathy for you and I pray for you like crazy right now. I have no idea what it'd like to be a parent in this season with all these mandates and saying, God, how do I navigate this? Uh, how do I teach my kid how to navigate this? You know, what do, I, what do I do with, you know, all the new things that are even coming out? I have no idea just the turmoil you're going through. And I want you to know that your church is praying for you, that you would have wisdom and you would have peace. Because, um, man, prayer is the, if you're a parent, prayer is the only thing that's going to get you through this. I mean, you, you got to pray and I'm going to be praying for you and we're just, we're with you 100% if you're a parent in this house, it's just a, it's a hard season. Um, so they make prayer basically illegal. The mandate is you can't pray. And uh, Daniel keeps praying. And so they catch him praying. They say this. So they went straight to the king and reminded him about his law. Did you not sign a law for the next 30 days? Any person who prays to anyone divine or human expect you, your majesty will be thrown into the den of lions. Yes, the king replied, that decision stands. It is an official law of the, uh, uh, of the Medes and the Persians that cannot be revoked. Then they told the king, then they told the king that da uh, that man, Daniel, one of the captives from Judah is ignoring your law. He still prays to his God three times a day. Hearing this, the king was deeply troubled and he tried to think of a way to save Daniel. He spent the rest of the day looking for a way to get Daniel out of this predicament. In the evening, the men went together to the king and said, your majesty, you know that according to the law, 
uh, of Medes and the Persians. No law that the king signs can be changed. So at last the king gave orders for Daniel to be arrested and thrown into the den of lions. The king said to him, "Make your God whom you serve so faithfully rescue you. A stone was uh, brought and placed over the mouth of the den. The king sealed the stone with his own royal seals and the seal of his nobles so that no one could rescue Daniel. Then the king returned to his palace and spent his night fasting. He refused his usual entertainment and couldn't sleep at all that night. Here's the second thing that you're gonna need, another tool, another truth to prosper is you'll prosper when you help other people prosper. Yes. Yeah. Come on now, th think about this real quick. Why was the king so worried about Daniel? Because his prosperity was connected to Daniel. He wasn't a believer. Your God. He didn't say our God. He said your God. He, uh, uh, Darius is not a believer at this time at all. But he was so worried about Daniel that he couldn't even sleep. Can I tell you that people's prosperity should be connected to you? Here's why. The Bible says that we're called to be light, uh, as salt and light. I want to read you a salt verse real quick. And I want to unpack why this is so important. Uh, the reason why um, uh, Darius was so stressed out is because Daniel was so salty. Not mean salty, but he was salty in a, in a kingdom way, okay? Uh, everybody say salty. salty. Uh, it makes sense. You are the salt of the earth. Right there, you should know that you're not supposed to separate from the earth. Right there, it says, don't bunker up and be salt of the, uh, of the bunkered up Christians. It says, you're supposed to flavor the earth, salt the earth. So we're supposed to be throughout the earth, flavoring the earth and preserving the earth. You are the salt of the earth, but what good is the salt if it has lost its flavor? Do not lose your purpose. Do not lose love. Do not lose kindness. Do not lose those things. If you lose those things, it says, uh, can you be made salt again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. So let me unpack this real quick. Uh, how was salt used back then? And then where is salt used? Let's talk about that real quick. Um, so how is salt used? It's used, of course, to flavor. That's, that's a duh. So uh, it's interesting about fault, uh, salt, fault, uh, salt uh, is you don't need a lot of salt to flavor something. You ever seen a big old turkey? Two pound turkey? A little, little sprinkle? I like a lot of salt, so a couple more sprinkles. And that whole thing tastes like salt. The turkey is now salted, but two pounds of turkey, a few ounces of salt, the whole turkey's transformed. 10 million people in the Bay Area, a few thousand Christians, the whole place can be transformed. Do, 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 do you see that correlation? Now, now let, me, let, me, let, me, let me tell you the other thing that uh, salt was used for. It was used to preserve, preserve things. That was actually the main priority of salt back then. It was, if things were gonna fall apart food-wise, salt was used to preserve it so it wouldn't fall apart. And why Darius was so stressed out was, is because there was a man named Daniel that was one man, but that salt's so potent that it was flavoring everything flavoring the integrity of the government. It was flavoring the, the response of how to handle things. But not only that, it was holding things together. The government was being a, a, a government that was flourishing because there was a man saying, I'll, I'll hold this together. Not because I can do it, because I follow the one that does do it. So can I tell you real quick, salt, there's a nature to salt. Salt is drawn to broken things. But isn't it interesting that a lot of Christians want to get away from the broken things? So what good is salt if salt bunkers up? What good is salt if it retreats from the battle? What good is salt if it runs away from broken things instead of runs to broken things? Salt is supposed to be in the middle of everything. It's supposed to be in the mix. And Daniel is in the mix right now. He is salt. He is flavoring. He is doing what he's called to do. And because of it, the, can you imagine non-Christians being stressed out if you're moving? You can't leave. Can you imagine non-Christians like, where, where are the Christians? Like, I'm not even Christian, but when you're here, it's just better. Where did you go? You can't go to that job. The reason why I work here is because of you. I come to the office because of you. You bring joy, you bring bill, you bring these things. But how, 
What good is salt if it loses its flavor? What good is a Christian if they lose love? What good is a Christian if they lose kindness and lose truth? Can I tell you something real quick? If we don't love well, we, nothing else matters. This is, of course, a principle. So, so the way that people are going to prosper, and one of the ways people prosper, is people who are loved well just are propelled. Can I read you a verse real quick about how your faith is supposed to manifest? For, uh, Galatians 5 says this, For when we place our faith in Christ Jesus, there is no benefit in being circumcised or um, uh, not being circumcised. What is important is faith expressing itself in love. Can I show you a handful of just truths that uh, I want to make you a little more salty this week? Ready? All I say is ineffective if I lost my flavor. Yeah. Listen this. All I say is ineffective if I lost my love. I'll show you 1 Corinthians 13. If I speak in tongues of men and angels but do not have love, I am a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. There's a lot of Christians that are just a resounding gong right now. They don't love it all. You lost your flavor. So therefore, you lost your voice. But if you... Keep loving people. People are going to want to know what you think and your voice is going to have weight. Can I say that, tell you another one? All I know is insignificant. If I have the gifts of prophecy and can fathom all and the mysteries of knowledge, but if I have not loved, it don't mean nothing. Over and over again, it's saying, hey, if you lose these things, it doesn't matter what you know and it doesn't matter what you say. Let me give you another one. All I believe is insufficient. If I have faith that can move mountains, but I do not love, I am nothing. Hey, I'm a faith-filled Christian. Believing God can do great things. Shut up, man. Hey, I love you, Jesus. Shut up, man. Are you just like on Instagram telling people what you think? If you do not have love, your faith means nothing. Right. Uh, can I keep going? I'm going to do a couple more. Yeah. All I give is incomplete if I've lost my flavor. If I give all I possess to the poor, but I do not love, tell me nothing. Yeah. It means nothing. I'll give you one more and then. I'll encourage you because I feel like I'm kind of yelling at you right now. Um, all I accomplish is inadequate. If I give over my body to hardship that I may boast but not have love, I gain nothing. Man, for, for you to prosper in this next season in the lion's den, you have to help other people prosper. And there's just something about loving people well, loving the unlovable, serving the unservable, encouraging somebody that only tears you down, just, just being kind to the person that's never kind to you. Just walk into a place and saying, man, I'm not working for love. I'm working from love. I'm coming to flavor this place. I'm coming to hold this place together with joy and hope. When people are talking about everything going to hell in a handbasket, I'm going to tell them the hope of Jesus. I'm going to tell them what's going on in my life. They can have the same thing. I'm going to flavor this place. And when I do that thing, people are going to say, I want to hear what, hey, I've, hey, all right, hey, Bill, I get it. Bill, I get it. The world sucks. California sucks. God's been setting on fire. I get it, Bill. I'm done hearing you. I want to listen to Tyler because he actually has something I don't have. I want that hope he's talking about right now. This side that just talks about doom and gloom, everybody's talking this way. You can find that, that's a dime a dozen. But to find some salt to flavor you with a little bit of encouragement, ooh, that is rare right now. May we flavor this region, amen? All right, I'm gonna finish with my last part, part three, Daniel 6, 6 through 28. So the administrators and high officers went to the king and said, long live the king Darius. We're all in agreement. We administrative officials, high officers, advisors, and governors. And the king should make a law that will be strictly enforced. Give orders that for the next 30 days, any person who prays to anyone, divine or human, except to you, your majesty, will be thrown into the den of lions. And now your majesty issue a sign, uh, this law, so it cannot be changed, an official law of the Medes and the Persians that cannot be revoked. So King Darius signed the law. But when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home and knelt down as usual in his upstairs room with its windows open toward Jerusalem. He prayed three times a day, just as he has always done, giving thanks to his God. 
Then the officials went together to Daniel's house and found him praying and asking God for help. Can I ask you real quick? The officials went together to Daniel's house and they found him praying. During crisis, what will you be found doing? Yeah. This crisis. Yeah. What do they find Daniel doing? Instagramming? No, they find him praying. They find him bunkered up. No, they don't find him bunkered up. They see him living for his God. Can I tell you this? During crisis, will you be found faith-filled or fear-filled? Will you be found with hate or anger? Will you be found with hope or hopelessness? May we be found with hope, prayer, love. May people find us in this time and say, oh, I just find you in a different light. What are you going to be found doing in the midst of crisis? So the third thing you're going to need to prosper in lines then is this. You'll prosper when you understand the need for prayer. Let me say it a different way. Your ability to stand for God comes from the habit of kneeling before your God. Daniel knelt before God. I was trying to do the math. So he's 80 and, you know, got there at 17, three times a day, you know, 365 days a year. Uh, so I did the math, carry the seven, carry the eight. It's like 70,000 times he prayed three times a day. How many times did you pray this last week, just the last seven days? And you wonder why you're stressed. You wonder why you're worried. I've changed my prayer life because of this book. And it's changed the way I read the news now. I laugh more at the news than I used to. I just go, this is adorable. This is really adorable. <laughs> Let me keep going. I want you to catch something quick, real quick with Daniel too, if I could just submit this to you. Daniel was willing to go to magic school. Daniel kept snapping a salute to king after king, four kings. Hey, we're gonna do this. You got it. We're gonna do this. You got it. Hey, Daniel, you're in the king's court. You're gonna be castrated. You're gonna be a eunuch. You got it. Daniel is snapping his salute over and over again. And finally a mandate comes out and says, hey, you can't pray. And Daniel goes, not this time. I am willing to die on this hill. You will not take my God from me. Prayer is like oxygen for my soul. And if I'm not praying, I'm not breathing in heaven and I'm not gonna breathe in Babylon. So I'm willing to die on this hill. What's fascinating is I meet a lot of Christians that are willing to die on every other hill but that hill. They, they will die on anything and everything, politics, mandates, preferences. But when it comes to prayer, they're like, you can take my prayer, but don't take my social media. I'm changing the world with my posts right now. I'm changing the world by going to the church that believes this instead of this. No, no, no. Die on the hill of prayer. This is where you, there is life or death, prosperity or no prosperity, victory or defeat. Daniel's saying, you can take my life now because if I don't have prayer, I don't have a life. Let's keep going. So I'm going to teach just one little pearl on prayer because I feel like uh, I want to, I want, if anything comes out of this today, I, I want you to, of course, not be a people pleaser. Of course, I want you to be somebody who helps people prosper. But all of that's going to start when you start praying in the morning before you even leave the house. Uh, none of that's going to come from your own strength. So you need prayer. So I, wanna, I just want to teach from Luke 18. I want to teach one, uh, one truth on prayer that will, I, I believe, maybe can make your prayer life go to the next level. I wanna, what I say when I, when I preach is teaching is sharpening the axe. I want to sharpen your axe today. And then when, I sharpen, uh, when teaching sharpens the axe, it shows that uh, you cut down things easier when you, you sharpen the axe. Abraham Lincoln said, if you gave me two hours to cut a tree down, I'd sharpen the axe for an hour and a half and then cut it for 30 minutes. A lot of us just go try to hit the tree. No, sharpen, 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 and then go swing. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to teach to sharpen, and then I'm going to preach so you can go swing the axe and go live the life you want to live. Does that sound good? Luke 18, I want to teach on prayer real quick. Come on now. It was that important to Daniel. I think we should understand why it was so important to Daniel. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray. Everybody say always. 
Always pray and not give up. Right there, we know what he wants to teach us in this parable. Persistence and patience. Man, we need Christians right now that are persistent and patient. Oh, we need, we need persistence and patience. Let me put it this way. Uh, a lot of Christians look at prayer as a button, but God shows us more like a hammer. So a lot of us just want a button like, Lord, I prayed, Bink! I feel better. Lord, I prayed, this should be a fix. No, no, no. You'll see throughout scripture that God teaches us the, the posture of prayer, but also the persistence of prayer. I have one story in my whole life of almost being 40 years old where I prayed one time and God answered it. Can I share it with you? Because it's my only one. Okay, I'm gonna do it. It's my one button prayer. I'm driving home. I'm 23 years old. I'm a youth pastor. I'm making a hundred bucks a week living with a family doing the work of God. I'm not gonna lie. I love that I started ministry in, gosh, the early 2000s. There was no fame to be had in ministry. A lot of people get in ministry because now there's like, you can be famous, whatever that means, you know. Uh, the Gen Z, 70% of them want to be content producers, aka they want to, their lifestyle to be just you watch them live their life. That's 70% of people what they want to do now. Pray, just pray, okay? That's some crazy stuff. So there was no fame to be had. There was no money to be made in ministry. I remember when I told the Lord, I was like, I'll be in ministry. I was like, and Lord, I, I literally remember saying like, Lord, I grew up on food stamps. I feel like you prepared me to be poor. I say yes to it, Lord. I remember like it was like one of those moments. So I, like, I, I never was upset about it. So I was driving home one day. I, I knew what I said yes to. I wasn't mad at God. Like, God, I'm not rich. You know? No, I, just, I was just like, I was kind of discouraged because my uh, um, child best friend, Andrew Gard, was getting married in Jamaica and I'm the best man. I got to go to Jamaica. So uh, I did what any responsible Christian would do. I put it on a credit card. <laughs> By faith, Lord paid off, you know. Um, so I, I, I bought the trip uh, with my credit card. We go to uh, uh, Jamaica. And Drew gets married and never been to Jamaica, never really flew on a plane a lot because we only went camping as kids. And so I remember coming back and I tried to pay off my credit. First time I ever used a credit card for a big purchase. And uh, when you're making hundred bucks a week, uh, you're making 400 or $500 a week and you know, you live with a family. So basically I got to pay for gas and some little things here and there. So I'm trying to pay my credit card off. I owe about 1800 bucks on it from the trip. And I'm just like, man, like I'm not, I let him do nothing except like just trying to pay it off and I can't pay it off. So I'm driving home one day and I, I tell the Lord like, Lord, I will eat peanut butter and honey for the next two years and pay it off. But God, could you just have somebody just give me an $1,800 check and just pay it off? Please, God, please. I remember just driving home. It was like one of those kind of prayers. And I get home. I go to um, one of my leader, youth leader's house the next day. And uh, the youth leader comes up to me and says, hey, uh, my wife and I just want to give you a card. Say thank you for what you're doing at the church. No birthday, no nothing, just a normal day. And I said, oh, thank you so much. And usually in those things, usually it was like a $5 Quiznos card because everybody knew I loved Quiznos at the time. R.I.P. R.I.P. Quiznos. Man, I miss him. I loved Quiznos. Subway survived, but not Quiznos? Different sermon for a different day. Yes. So I'm thinking of another Quiznos card, and I remember opening it up, and they said, in the card said, hey, we love you. We felt like the Lord just wanted us to give you this, and it was an $1,800 check. And right there, I was like, woo, I love prayer. I was like, I'd be walking by cars like, Lord, I pray that you'd have somebody this Sunday give me this car. Lord, Lord I'll, I'll, settle for a, I'll settle for maybe one year older, but this car right here, God. And so for about three months, I'd always be praying like, Lord, I see a girl in the sanctuary. I was single. Lord, that girl right there, I pray she'd be my wife today, Lord. Open her eyes to see the man that I am. <laughs> Never again have I ever had a prayer answered from the first time. <laughs> very dangerous and very, um, you just kind of get like hopeless. They're like, I thought prayer worked. <laughs> prayer is not a button. It's a hammer. It's a hammer. Most of my prayers, if I could be honest, now it's like, man, we prayed for five, six months to get into Las Lomas. Just, and we would literally like, we would, we would stand towards Las Lomas. 
get some of my uh, elders in the church, some counsel, and we would literally uh, say we were gonna, um, uh, we would uh, knock arrows because there's a, a Old Testament story about knocking arrows, the spiritual effects practical. And we'd be like, I pray right now for the ministrators to say yes right now, that, that a school would say yes to a church. It's been down for 10 years, but we say to the wall right now, knock it down, God, knock it down. Month go by, no response. They say they're still processing it. I'd go again, God, God, I pray right now, Lord, we're gonna walk around it like Jericho. God, knock down the wall. Whatever reason, the enemy would not let a church, may you be worshiped at Las Lomas High School. We'd be praying again for six months. Finally, for the first time in 10 years, we get an email. Hey, you can meet in Las Lomas. I was like, cool, come on now. Now we got mission headquarters right now. And that's over there. And I've been praying, Lord, please have the city just give us a temporary permit for a few years so we can meet there. It's bigger. Uh, it's going to be able to serve our kids better, Lord. Everything about it, Lord, can we get a yes? So I got our staff walking around seven times. We're, we're praying and prophesying. Shane is screaming out, pen to paper, yes, God. Pen to paper, yes, God. Pen to paper, yes, God. And we start just praying and praying and praying. And here's what I know. When you labor with God and you pray, those prayers aren't in vain. God knows what he's doing. He's stretching us. He's doing something in us as much as he's going to do something through us. There's something powerful about prayer. But the only reason I've got there is because I've realized, and this is what I want to teach you real quick. Daniel was a desperate Christian and desperate Christians pray different. Desperate Christians worship different. Desperate Christians process different. Desperate Christians understand they can do nothing apart from God. I'm not trying to do a backdoor deal with the city. Who do I know? Is there anybody I can give maybe a free Bible verse to? Um, maybe hook them up with a, a salvation? Um, there's no, there, I can't do it. There's, there, there's no manipulation in this. It's God's going to do it or he's not going to do it. He said in a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared for what, what people thought. And there was a widow in a town who kept coming to him with a plea. Grant me justice against my adversary. Just to give you a heads up, uh, a widow in this time is the most broke of the broke. No hope except begging. There's no way that she can get what she needs to get except pleading and begging. And she goes to a judge and a parable, just to give you a heads up, is not an allegory. It is a, it's a short story with big truths. God is contrasting himself, not comparing himself to this judge. So just to catch that real quick, don't read parables uh, wrong or else you're gonna be really messed up. Like, God's mean. Uh, for some time he refused, but finally said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care about what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so, so that she won't eventually come and attack me. Can I tell you real quick, one of the greatest weapons you will ever have as a desperate Christian is persistence. This woman's weapon, she didn't have money, she didn't have a sword, but she had persistence and she had it in spades. One of your greatest weapons will be persistence. Hey, heaven, it's me again. Hey, heaven, it's me again. Hey, Bay Area, I haven't left. Hey, I'm still loving. Persistence is one of the greatest weapons a desperate Christian knows they have. Come on, let's keep going. Uh, for, some, uh, uh, for some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, uh, let's keep going, verse six. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice. And quickly, however, when the son of man comes, will he find faith on earth? Stop. You got to understand a couple of things real quick. Um, the judges at this time are called robber judges. The reason why they're called robber judges is they could be bought with a stake. The, the Jewish culture had three judges. And they tried to make it really fair. If we got in a dispute, I'd bring a judge, you'd bring a judge, and there'd be a neutral judge. And that's actually how you'd get justice. And all of our heart cry now is we just want justice. Because justice is God's kingdom come as will be done. 
We, that's our heart's cry. That's why we get so frustrated about injustice right now. That's why we get so frustrated when government does things it shouldn't do. We just get so frustrated. That's not justice. So you cry out for it. And the reality is, is right now, uh, manipulation and backdoor deals do get some things done some, sometimes. But the, the reality is, you need to know God's not done. And so he's saying, hey, there's a robber judge. She can't manipulate. She can't buy mistakes. So she's not going to get that way. The only way she's going to get it is through begging. Let me keep reading to you real quick. And, and we're going to see something. Psalm 34, 6, the poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. Let me uh, read you another verse. Psalm 34, 6, in my desperation, I prayed and the Lord listened. He saved me from all my troubles. You'll see this rhythm of poor and desperate Christians praying to God and him hearing and him answering. Uh, I'll be here on Sundays and I'll see people walk in and I can almost pick them out of the crowd sometimes, a desperate Christian. Desperate Christian, maybe for the last month, our last 10 years or the last 30 years has tried to do everything in their own strength. And finally they come to this place in their life and they realize I can't do it. I thought I could. I thought I could do life in my own strength. I thought I could have a great marriage in my own strength. But I finally came to the conclusion I can't do it. So they come to church and they worship different for the first time. Instead of worshiping their own agenda and ideas and their little tricks that they've been able to use, they're like, they don't work anymore. And so they worship the one that they know that can actually work on their behalf. And then they pray different. They receive different. They lean in. I, I can see it. I'll, I'll people come up and I'll, I'll talk to them. They had a hard week. And even the way they listen to a, the message, they're just so desperate. Like they're just waiting for one verse. Just, I just need some verse to get me through the week again. They're just so desperate for God's word. Desperate Christians, you can pick them out of a crowd. Now let me read you a verse. Blessed are the poor, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Now, Blessed are the desperate Christians. Here's why. The Greek word poor is used uh, in this one. Now, I want to sh show you the correlation. There's two Greek words that uh, um, could have been used here to translate it. Uh, now, this course is in uh, Aramaic at this time, but the Greek is fine to communicate. So uh, there was uh, poor where it was like beggar. No way you can make money. There's a Greek word for that poor. Then there's another Greek word for poor that's called working man poor. You make enough for the day. And so you're poor, but you make just, just enough for the day. So those are the two types of pores uh, that would be communicated to describe poverty in the Bible. And it doesn't say blessed is the working man poor for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. It says blessed is the one that realizes they're a beggar in their poverty and the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Can I, can I be honest with you? I meet a lot of working man poor Christians that you live in a way that you just have, just have enough for your marriage, just have enough to get through the day. You don't want to bother God. You don't, want, you, don't, you don't even feel like you need to cry out to God. I don't need to cry out to God. At least I got a little bit to eat today. I wouldn't want to have all of heaven just pour out on my lap. So I'm just going to just enjoy what I do have. I mean, to be honest, we could settle and say, this is good enough. We'll just meet at Shalins for the next 10 years. Or we can say, no, I don't want to be working man poor. I don't want to settle for a, 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 a lease on Sundays. I want to take back physical ground and say, this is God's land again. And I'm going to beg on the behalf of heaven and say, heaven, I'm broke without you. Too many of us settle for working man poor Christianity. But when you say I'm broke without you, it says that you don't stay in poverty. You get all of the kingdom of heaven. Desperate Christians, their eyes are open to God. I am broke without you. Everything I have is because of you. I need you. I need you. I need you. And what Daniel was doing in, the, uh, in that season was simply this. God, I need you. I need, he wasn't working man poor. He knew everything that was happening was because God was doing it on his behalf. He was desperate for him. I'm gonna invite the worship team to come up. We're gonna finish with this. Actually, worship team, you can stay. I'm gonna finish with worship. I'm finishing with goodness of God.
You're good. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, we're just going to finish with the message and then we'll, uh, we'll go change the world. Uh, so I want to I uh, finish with this thought and then we'll, we'll leave. Uh, the dangerous part about Daniel 6 and the Lion's Den is that it's one of those uh, stories that if you grew up in church, it's like one of the most famous. Daniel believed God and nothing hurt him. Yay! <laughs> that, that's your pearl from the Lion's Den. That makes you a weak Christian or makes you not a Christian once you go through your first mauling of a lion. When you think that's actually what that's trying to tell you, hey, if you do good, nothing bad happens. The lions then, you'll just sit there and you'll pet the lions. Hey, pretty lions. And then you live life for a day and you realize, hey, that didn't happen to me. So it makes weak Christians or makes people turn away from their faith. But if you actually read it for what it's pointing to, it will strengthen your faith. And what it's pointing to is Isaiah 11, and it's the kingdom of God being established. It says this, the wolf will live with the lamb, the leopard will lie down with the goat, the calf and the lion and the yearling together, and the little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear, their young will lie down together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox. Yes, the lion becomes a vegetarian in heaven. That's cool. The infant will play near the cobra's den, and the young child will put its hand into the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Stop. What Jesus is saying in Isaiah 11, if you read all of it, it's out of the stump comes the, the promise of the Messiah. Now let's just pause and ask yourself, how does that happen? Because what happens with sin is that the animosity of animals towards us, our animosity towards each other, that's when sin happened. Everything's out of order. So lions hate us. We, we're afraid of, uh, of each other. We, we, we don't like each other, 30% at least. This is what happened when sin entered. So how do we get back to that? There's somebody who went in the lion's den and the lions did touch him. And not only did they touch him, but his body had scratches all over. He was literally ripped to shreds, it says. There's a man who went into the den and the stone was rolled and he didn't come out uh, alive. He was put in dead. But what's so amazing about the story of Daniel Lyons' den is none of the miracles in the Bible are naked miracles. AKA, don't you ever wish sometimes in the uh, New Testament, they're like, this happens like, hey, you don't believe God's real? Watch this, flaming geyser. Flaming geyser gone, you know? Oh, you don't think God's real? Watch this. Oh, I'm flying. No, I'm not flying. There's never naked power ever in the, uh, in, the, in the Bible. All of it is always used to bring glory to God. Every story, every miracle is simply this. It's supposed to point to Jesus. So Daniel in the lion's den, why does God give us that miracle? It points to a better Daniel saying, I'm gonna go in this den. I'm going to allow these lions to devour me, but they're gonna devour me thinking they won, but then I'm gonna come back to life and be the lion of Judah and I'm gonna devour them and then you'll never be devoured again. This is the story of Jesus. So right now on this, on this side of, the, uh, of, of, of heaven, what does that look like for us today? We get to be the Christ-like followers that say, I'll go in and I'll let people hurt me so they won't hurt you. I'm gonna stand in the gap and when people throw things at me, it stops with me and now I speak life. So, so when, when lions are scratching at me, I'm gonna turn my back and just like my savior was whipped and scratched on the back, it's gonna hit me on my back. But on this side of me, there is gonna be love. There's gonna be peace. This side of the den, you're not gonna be hurt. You're gonna be loved because this is what my savior did for me. I'm gonna pick up my cross and I'm gonna do the same thing. And on this side of earth, there can be lion's dens where nobody is touched because the den of heaven is the den of the church now. When people come in this place, no lions bite you. That's the goal, that's, that's the bar of the church at least. I've been hurt in church. 
Some wolves get in sometimes. This week, can we be the salt? Can we care what God thinks? Can we pray like desperate Christians? Will you bow your heads? I don't know if it's your first time, second time in church, but if you never said yes to Jesus, never said yes to heaven, no to hell, yes to blessing, no to cursing, every service we end with this simple thing. It's the most powerful question you can ever be asked. Do you want to say yes to Jesus? Do you want to say yes to salvation? The Bible says you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, you'll be saved. The way we do that, I remember I raised my hand. It changed my life forever. You are responding with faith saying, I want to say yes to Jesus. You want to respond in faith that God saved you and you want to be saved today. With every head bowed and eye closed, I want you to raise your hand, catch my say, I want to say yes to Jesus. Go ahead and raise your hand high. Let me see it. Go ahead and raise it high. I see you. God bless you. Come on now. Go ahead. I see you and I see you. Come on now. Hands all over the room. Come on. Uh, we prayed for you this morning. Come on. We celebrate. Heaven celebrates with this decision. Second question is this. Some of you, you're like, man, I got to get salty again. I got to go to broken places and I need to flavor things with the things of heaven. If that's you, I just want you to place your hand over your own heart. I just want to pray for you. I'm, I got my hand over my own heart. God, would you make us salty again? God, would you make us understand our opportunity in the midst of a pandemic? Lord, we can distinguish ourselves from this day forth as the loving, kind, oh, merciful, generous. May we bring hope. May we bring peace. May we hold things together as things are falling apart. When people see us, may they be happy to see us and may they be sad when we walk away. Lord, we love you. We give you Mission Church. Use us. And everybody said? Thanks again for listening to the Mission Church podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Bay Area, we invite you to come join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at missionchurchca.com. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.